gentlemen welcome to another episode of bobcast with you as always is bob live in a lounge staring at the ouija board tonight's guest i've known for a few years but i've just gotten into contact with him in the digital world lately he like myself is somebody who spends a lot of time in the fictional realm the realm of like stuff that you got inspired by when you were a kid may it be comic books wrestling king kong whole bunch of shit that just feels good when you go back in your mind, you recirculate it, you know? And he, like I, also has the power to influence people in a way, not just with his voice, but also with his direction and his writing. And he's done several films such as Daisy Durkins and the Dinosaur Apocalypse, Evil Brew, Daisy Durkins versus the Bloodthirsty Beast of the Parin Pines, <laughs> Daisy Durkins versus the Bloodthirsty Beast of the Parin Pines. I wrote that twice, but no. <laughs> he also acted in Camp Blood 666. I just got done working on a film called Revenge of the Devil Bat that he did. And uh, I'm super stoked to have him here on the show. He, um, he's somebody who um, the world needs more of. People to be uh, inspired by pop culture and for that message to get across to people so that way they, they can escape this fucking crazy world that we live in, you know? A world where abortion is now becoming legal in certain states. What the hell? With that being said, please welcome tonight to the lounge Mr. Mark Magner. Hey Bob, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it, and I really appreciate that uh, that ego boosting intro. No, it's totally except- totally true, man. Don't even think about his ego. Think it, think it. You know, a lot of people in this world, you know what they do? They like to just think about doing stuff. They don't actually do it. You know, yeah. they don't go out there into the woods and film something. Film something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I, when I was a kid, I used to take my friends out in the Valley Green. We'd film uh, Revenge of the Teapire. You know, we were doing all sorts of things that were very inspired by my youth, you know. And uh, I know you're a big King Kong fan. Huge I uh, did King some research. Kong fan. Yeah, yeah. So, what's your uh, first experience with Kong? Oh, my God. It's not only my first experience with Kong, I, it's my earliest memory of watching a movie ever. Awesome. Do you remember how old you were? Sorry to interrupt you. It was. Either like late into being three or yes, like four. Same. Last week talked about it here on the Bobcast. Okay. Me three two as well. Yeah. How's but that somehow, for threading the needle? But somehow it stayed with me. Like I have a younger cousin, Adam. How you doing? He's three years younger than me. So uh, when he came into the world, my parents took us over to go meet my new baby cousin, and they just had a TV on in the living room. And while they're introducing the baby and my parents are talking to my aunt and uncle that I happen to notice that King Kong is on TV mm-hmm. and like within moments, it's like where they're on the island and they're attacked by the stegosaurus. And I was like, holy. And it just it changed me forever. Yeah. Like it stayed with me and it just infl- like it just inspired me like this is what I want to do. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. love dinosaurs forever. And if I could help bring them back to life for just a moment so i've got so many questions when it comes to king kong you know (laughs) because it's like with kong i'm right there with you uh for me 
I think it was I saw the seventies version first when I was maybe about three or four. Oh. My first movie being three was E. T. at a drive in movie theater. Yeah. And I don't remember nothing about the plot, just the way it, it visually looked up, like up there on that big screen. Yeah. But with Kong, dude, King Kong, I mean, I think it was the first time my heart was broke for a beast. Yeah, you know what I mean? Too. Where I felt too. felt some sort of compassion, not for humans, but for animals in a way that uh, at an early age, I was like, oh, they're not too much different than us. They got feelings. Right. All not, they want to do is be loved. It's not just a monster movie. It's, it's oh, art. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. art, not just in the storytelling, but in the special effects. It is just, it is a breathtaking achievement that has stood the test of time. So... This easily could turn into a King Kong podcast. Yeah, but yeah. I, no, uh, no. I, I, I'm sure that you, uh, you're the same age as me almost, and like uh, growing up, do you remember? Okay, so we had, you know, the classic Kong, and then we had the '70s Kong yeah. with the iconic poster, by the way, of the Twin Towers, yeah. which to me it was like literally on the, uh, September 11th. I remember within the first or second hour thinking about that poster and thinking yeah. about like how it was culturally affected by it. Yeah. Um, I remember though, you know, pre-internet. You just happen to be sitting here on the road watching TV, like, you know, what's up on a Sunday night? And bam, King Kong lives is on the TV. There's a movie trailer. Kong's falling in love. And I was like, oh, my God. We'll be able to see <laughs> King Kong. In the... And to me, it, it looked like a direct sequel to um, the yeah. 70s version as well. But um, I remember loving it. And I know, like, it doesn't stand the test of time to some people. But, I mean, like, you know, to me, that Kong, you know, love story just continued on there. It did. And the great thing about those movies is that, like, yeah, like, when you see them at a young age, and, like, even however greatly special effects and technology may advance, like, Mm -hmm. there's always going to be something about the old school approach that, like, resonates with us and, like, stays with us forever. Because, like, I don't know if I saw one of these, like, current movies with the digital effects, if it was really, like, inspire me to like get into filmmaking but something about like the craft of the, the the building of the models the costumes to like actually create monsters with your hands and knowing that that was a job that people had yeah they're and, doing like, out there yeah yeah it's like ah like like there was always like that reassurance when i was younger that even if i got older like i could still like be kind of a kid that way yeah you gotta you gotta hold on to that stuff man yeah. you know and you're a dad as well and like you know that enormous responsibility of not only being a father but also making sure that they're you know inspired by something that's creative or you yeah. know what i mean like my son right now and i we just watched spider-man the sam raimi version for the oh, first yeah, time he's yeah. hooked on it that's great that's and there's great. so many weird parts of that movie man you know i mean like <laughs> you know i hadn't seen it in a real long time right and um so i i would like to bring it up actually because here sure. on the bobcast mark like what well, we go from topic to topic we jump hey, all around as okay sometimes we cook penny comics. pasta sometimes we cook linguine you know we do a whole bunch of different things here <laughs> but in spider-man will yeah. defoe Oh and, my uh, God! So, so good. You got this guy who's got this face, and you put a mask on him. That's the ancient old joke, whatever. But there's this scene today that didn't make any sense to me as a 39 year old man, but it might have when I was 20, whatever it was. To, to I think it was after 9/11 because they pulled the World Trade Center. It so was. 22 about. So, he, he comes to dinner and he's rushing to eat, and he's going for a little bit of the fruit cake, and as he goes for the fruit cake, Aunt May slaps his hand. Hmm. Norman. And he takes the fruitcake and gives Aunt May this real sexual weird vibe where he puts the, <laughs> the fruitcake in his mouth and he like licks his lips. And I'm just yeah. like, 
what the what were they thinking here you know like what are they doing sam sam raimi though you might be a genius for that scene because my whole world stopped today around 4 18 p.m when i was just like wait a minute that don't make no sense when shit like that happens in a movie i like to think that it was just like the actor and like they just filmed it like willem dafoe is just like that kind of dude where like he really is you feel like you just put the camera on him and like that stuff would just come naturally and you just tell everybody like let's just see what he does yeah just watch it it. (laughs) yeah you know i was thinking that too myself when he's about to become the green goblin in that film his uh little co-worker there he drops uh the bar across his body he's like oh that's cold yeah (laughs) it felt to me that that was improv you know but uh and the weird thing too is i like to do this a lot with uh math he's he's like around our age when he's the green goblin yeah he's 63 now so it's like 20 i'm like what dude but good on them, you know. Yeah, like, Toby Maguire's beard, though, they just couldn't control during that film. If you look closely, he's growing all sorts of patches quickly because he's like in his late twenties. Yeah, yeah. But what's what's neat about like having kids is that, you know, I, I was thinking like my father probably had no idea mm-hmm. like like things that he was just putting on TV like. But it influenced you. Yeah. Put your lips out. Get, yeah. Kiss, kiss that microphone. Give it a good old oh, French kiss. Here I am. Here there I am. you are. Yeah. yeah. See that Frenchie? <laughs> but yeah, but you know what I'm saying. I, I'm saying that just like. So your dad, like he's he would like just... just on the couch. It's Saturday. He's like got his feet up. He's relaxing or whatever. He just puts the TV on. Maybe he wasn't even like looking for that yeah. specific thing. It was just like here's something I'm just gonna settle on, and I'm just sitting there, and it's like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever it is. Because James TV Bond, back then was so precious. Right. It's Bond, not Godzilla, like, what, like, wrestling, whatever. Like, I was so into it. And, you know, you don't even know, like, realize you this don't. thing. My dad uh, took me to see uh, Hulk Hogan wow. um, when I was, like, maybe five at the Spectrum. I remember it. And I remember being so confused because it was, like, one of those just, like, basic... It was like an expi- you know, exhibition type thing. It wasn't like, you know, the performance part. And I remember being a kid being like, he's not mad at him right now on the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was a really, um, it was a great experience. Oh, and yeah. uh, I went later in life and I saw like right at the ring, I, I, I snuck down for uh, one of the Coors Light baths of uh, Steve Stone Cold Austin. <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah. But yeah, all that stuff, man, just like really sticks. It stuck with me forever. And then like, you know, I talk about all the time here on the show, all that stuff is now coming into pop culture. One of the biggest movies yeah. in the world is based on stories that I read, you know, in my, you know, early childhood to yeah. teenage yeah. years. Yeah. So we'll, we'll never get old. I mean, until, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah, that, I realize that. Like sometimes when something come, like grabs my attention and uh, like excites mm-hmm. me, and then I'm, I think to myself, like like earlier today, I saw that uh, they're bringing back Darkwing Duck. Yeah, <laughs> like on DuckTales. He's going to appear in the new mm-hmm. DuckTales show. He looks awesome, too, and, by the way. And, like, that brought me joy. And, and I was like, how old am I? And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm 41, and I'm, like, totally stoked for Darkwing Duck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. I did yeah. like DuckTales, man. DuckTales really got me back in the day. I'd run yeah. home, i watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah. and then DuckTales, and, like, this one yeah. sacred hour where I was like, nobody... Nobody bother me. It, yeah, it was a time to be alive, man. There might have been this show called uh, uh, Funhouse. Do you remember that show? It oh on... yeah, it was a it was a game show. Yeah, what was the gist of that? Right, you had yeah. to do some. Yeah, it was like yeah. an obstacle course sort of thing. Basically, yeah. they I had you it. run through the Funhouse, and they would there would be like 
obstacles to try to keep you from getting to the end. I think it was yeah, that sort that of thing. that was even like, that's definitely pre-American Gladiators, right? So they originated that. I think it that. was, yeah. The kids, yeah. you know? American Gladiators just injected some WWF into it. I always wanted to use the uh, American Gladiators, that, like, gun, where, like, you know, it was like an early, like, paintball type Assault. set. Assault. Yeah. That was the event. Yes. That's the <laughs> event everybody remembers. There's the Joust and yeah. Assault, because... Like, me and my friends, like, literally did, like, assault in the basement. Like, we set up, um, we would flip over um, laundry baskets to, like, hide behind. Mm-hmm. And we'd have, like, a cup, like, uh, up on a shelf somewhere. And we'd get rolled up socks into a ball and just, like, try to throw them and knock the cup over. That's great. So we did assault. <laughs> yeah, I remember just being like, how do I get on this show? How do I watch this? <laughs> like, where can I find some, like, cardboard and, like, some blue spray paint to, like, make the gate look at? You know how, like, that that space Star Fox type, yeah, type yeah. of look to it? See, this is the thing, man. It's like our generation, we grew up, I think we really appreciated our pop culture and everything that we uh, had enjoyed yeah. in our youth to the point where, you know, taping stuff, the, the ritual of, like taping something taking the commercials out making mixtapes it's completely lost so i think that we'll take that well into our adulthood and definitely our senior citizen years because we had a different type of like input you know if you will and like kids today yeah some of them are cool you know what i mean but for the most part though their brains just work too fast to understand like what they're missing you know yeah the the attention spans are very short. I'm, I'm sounding like such an old guy but yeah i mean the young people today they're they're their attention well you know what the, the thing i really don't think it's their fault per se i think no i don't think so either group it's... that's young or like any any person you know like they are definitely a product of their environment and if you're living in north america and if you're like middle class you're having a specific experience, you know, like that can be like a test. Like it's like the sign of the times, really. Prince knew what he was talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just the way it is. But I mean, like it's going to get worse, you know, by the time we get older, it's going to be even more scarier when your kids have kids. My kids has kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what are they going to be doing then, dude? Like, are they even, they could just watch a movie in like, th- you know, three seconds in their brains. Yeah. I just right. saw the Matrix 7. It was all right. <laughs> the CGI they're using on Keanu Reeves. You watch uh, John Wick? Yes. Comes oh out Friday. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah Stoked. Oh my god. Yeah. I like how they're still talking about the puppy. I, I saw like a little commercial. Like, you mean a song about a puppy? And oh, it's the best part about those films is it's really just because they killed his dog. Right. I, yeah. I did watch that with my oldest son. You know, he's a teenager. So yeah. But like, I, I put it on. I'm like, so here's, a, here's like the whole plot of this movie is. You know, mm-hmm. they kill his dog. Like he was retired, he was chilling. Like, yeah. like he was, he gave up the life, and it was like they kill this dog, and <laughs> like that, like just sets off, sets him off. And that's the whole plot. That's literally the entire story. Is yeah, for like the first they, one, they fuck, did a really yeah, good. The they, second one, though, the world building they did was oh, fantastic. Yeah, oh yeah, wasn't it? I, I know the, like, the I, hotel. I thought that was great. Yeah, for a second after the first movie, I'm like, I mean, it's fantastic. It's like it's spectacular, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to do with this. And then... Yeah, they just took it to a whole new level. I I love the whole, like, monetary system they came up with. Like, you know, I was just like, they got their own money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not just fight choreographers. They're people who understand how to tell a story. And let's face it, Keanu Reeves, I mean, he is the spokesperson for our generation, as far as I'm concerned. You got Bill and Ted. You got, you know, when you're a kid, you're about to become an adult. You got 
you know, yeah. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bill right. and Ted's Bogus Journey. Then you got him in speed thinking like, nope, this is the new era of culture where you've got to keep going fast, buddy. You can't slow down 50 <laughs> miles per hour. And Fucking then the Matrix. Point Break. Think about it. Dude, Point, point break. break. Okay, so when people ask me all the time, Mark, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> it's Point Break. Dude, and uh, I get a lot of varied responses. Sometimes I get the... Um, I get the response. It's like, yeah, bro. And I'm like, did you know it was directed by a woman? Yeah. By Catherine Bigelow. Okay, yeah. so like, don't assume just because something has 100% pure adrenaline <laughs> that, you know, it doesn't, don't take it at face, don't take anything at face value until you like check it out. That was literally, that was like, if not the very first R-rated movie I saw in oh, a wow. theater, but the second, it was either that or Terminator 2. Mine, mine was Terminator 2, I remember. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, yeah, mm -hmm. so like, we didn't was, go see Point Break. My dad wasn't into the surfers. Uh, my mom was so into Swayze. So oh, like, cool. She would cool. Wa she would watch anything with Swayze. Wow, in it. man! And so, so you I'm saw like, that on the big screen. Mommy, I want to see this. You know, go Gary Busey, and she'd be like, "Oh, Swayze's in it." Like I'm done. There, I'm yeah. So you saw like I think that is hands down my favorite favorite chase scene of oh all time oh my god yeah oh, the, the foot chase there's there's no beating it and then like when i went to los angeles for the first time in the, uh, 2004 or so um i remember going to venice and like walking through those back neighborhoods just thinking to myself oh man i wish somebody was chasing me right now throwing, right. throwing dogs <laughs> somebody at me. threw a dog at me yeah <laughs> yeah but the movie the movie's still good and it was you know it's so good it's it's you know, people, Fast and the Furious, you know, there's oh, so yeah. many different films that take that basic plot yeah. of I am an FBI agent. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. they just take it to all these new heights. But the, the film is it, perfectly structured as far as I'm concerned. Act one, act two, act three. The reveal is the best reveal ever, you know? Yeah. If there, you know, and we talk about here on the podcast too is uh, I, I personally try not to watch trailers anymore so I don't get stuff spoiled. I know, they're so bad. I made the mistake of watching the new uh, Far From Home trailer. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 uh, nothing's there. I mean, like, the, the films that I've recently seen is Us with no trailers, and um, I saw Endgame with uh, no trailers as well. And, like, I, I saw an op opening night, so I had a different experience. But with, like, and coincidentally, the other day, for the first time, Mark, I saw the remake, or at least the last 10 minutes of uh, the Point Break 2015 oh, no. remake. Because I, I was so angry when it came out. Because, first oh, off, no. I remember reading in, like, all the articles, Point Break 2's coming. And I thought, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. dude, yes. Bring Johnny Utah back. Yeah. You know? Have him go against the dude that he puts, uh, you know, uh, the guy that's holding his face to the, the lawnmower. <laughs> who also was in this film called Cyborg with Jean-Claude yeah, oh, Van Damme back Cyborg, in the day. Yeah. He, he, to me, was called Drago before called Drago even existed. That's a good point, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, his career Cyborg's just... Cyborg's a really great movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. But, uh, but just to rock back to uh, yeah. Point Break for a second. Yeah, like, we can stay there. Anthony Kiedis, he's, he was part of that Nazi mm -hmm. gang, <laughs> so he could be part of the sequel. Cause that would be a waste of time. time. Yeah, that's his life. He's killing it too in that role, and he's got the great, like you know, shaved head look going there. But at the same time, like any any time Flea pops up in a movie, like oh yeah, think about it. Back to the Future. Yeah, like um, Flea. I mean, it, he could have the smallest walk on role, but like he's Flea. <laughs> um, yeah, that whole scene with the raid was great. You know what I mean? The raid on the house, the way that she oh shot God. it, the way that they go out the window together, and then they have that fight with the lawnmower. And also, too, when Anthony Keys gets his foot blown off, I feel it every time. It, <laughs> it's great, like, use of, like, blood. You know, it the way is, that yeah. shoe explodes. But, um, yeah, it's just a great film. You know, in, the, in my circle of friends, we have a joke. Sometimes we, we uh, text each other, Utah, get me two. 
because <laughs> it's just such a great line. And I don't even like meatball sandwiches, but I definitely think of Pappas every time that uh, as somebody even mentions meatball sandwich. But um, yeah, with trailers, man, like back in the day, you only could access the trailers by watching a VHS tape, you know, or going to the movies and seeing them beforehand if you were lucky to find a seat. The kids got it lucky today. They got assigned seats. I know, right? You yeah, know, they're just yeah. like, I'm here. I'm in the middle. No, imagine getting to the theater late and it's something that you have been looking forward to for like the last, you know, six, seven months. You know what I mean? Like it was a different, different era. I remember going to see Ace Ventura like that and having to sit like right at the front yep. and just being so, yep. I was just like, oh my God, dude, my neck's yep. killing me. Yep. Did you, where, where do you, uh, where'd you grow up at? Juniata Park. It's a, uh, it's a little... A little enclave in between uh, Frankfurt and Kensington. I got you. Yeah. So um, where did you go to the movies then when you were a kid? The Orleans 8 and oh, wow. the um, the uh, the Devon in Mayfair. Oh, yeah. yeah a I... lot of listeners. I hope there's a lot of listeners. If they're from Mayfair, Frankfurt, whatever, northeast area, you, you know the Devon. It was a fun little theater. Yeah, mine mine was the, the one that I saw all my favorite films was the Andorra shopping center there. And oh like, yeah. yeah. So I remember just like every event movie in the summertime going down there okay. and just being like, Oh man, I saw Lilo and stitch there. That was the last movie I saw at that theater. Yeah. Before they turned into a gym and I was just like, you yeah, kidding me? I know that hurt. That broke my heart, man. Yeah. I was just like, you kidding me, dude? Always sad to see that. That place definitely could have gotten like the, the new seats, though. I do like the, the seats now in a the theater. Yeah. Except when you, you ever lose your fucking cell phone in a no. seat? Dude, I lost my cell phone in the movie theater seeing The Room, which is a movie where you throw plastic spoons at the screen. <laughs> I lost it at the AMC at the Plymouth Mini Mall. I got that shit jacked in between the wedges down on the bottom. <laughs> and I didn't think I was going to get it out, man. The whole movie, I was bug- I didn't want. I didn't get it out to the end, so the movie experience was kind of ruined. No. What's your worst movie experience watching one in the theater? Oh, uh, hmm. That's a good question. I'm going to say that it's a time that I had kids, like young kids, with me. Which movie were you trying to say? Uh, the the worst example I could think of was either the first Guardians of the Galaxy or the first Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> Which was live action, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, you know, Megan Fox and... <laughs> Uh, um, the dude from uh, that TV show. Yeah, yeah. What's Who his the name? Hell was Casey Jones. D- I, d- d- truth be told, and it's not. Be- I, I'm a huge fan of the originals and the, definitely the TV show. I actually still have my action figures, but I still have yet to see the two um, live actions. Just because I couldn't, I couldn't like look. Surprisingly, past. not as bad as it could have been. Mm-hmm. And and the sequel has Bebop and Rocksteady, which are they in human takes form? It to another are they level. In- well, they start off as humans. And in fact, um, uh, Bebop, right? No, Rocksteady starts off as Seamus, the wrestler. He's oh, like yeah. the human form. Mm-hmm. And But then they do get mutated later. And I've been waiting to see them in a movie like forever. Because so wait, we were that's sub- the second one? Yes. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Like we got in the Secret of the Ooze, when they had like those two mutant characters that were like, bootleg bebop and rocksteady like they they were like just these big monster characters but they weren't like from the show when i was a kid i wanted to be uh casey jones in the worst way oh my god like i you know 
yeah. I, I, that was like the first tier where I was just like, oh man, he's just a regular old dude. He's right. not Batman. No, but he's like broke ass Batman. Yeah, he's broke ass like, Batman. I could relate to that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, like he's the Batman of the. I'd the never seen the class. Like the, <laughs> the common man. He's not bankroll. He's not like a trust fund baby. Like he just has sports equipment. <laughs> just a mask and sports and equipment. Chip yeah. on his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Which is wild, man. But I mean, like, what a killer movie, though. Yeah. I saw that at the. Um, I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first film. I think it was called the Air. King and Queen maybe in Roxborough hmm. or it became like a fashion bug or something like that oh. I know Brett Talley would know the name of that that joint but um, yeah the Turtles man what a great story I mean Eric Larson and uh, what's yeah, the other dude's name Peter Laird Peter Laird the first it's I, not Eric Larson I, right I'm thinking Eric Larson that's is Spider-Man Savage right? Dragon yeah but uh, the first Ninja Turtles comic book like number one like from the black and white Mirage days Mm-hmm. Like I always, when people ask me, like, what's a like one like single issue story comic that really stays with you, and like so much happens in that one issue. Like, if they never made another Ninja Turtles comic or mm-hmm. cartoon or whatever, like they told a complete story in that one issue. Visually too, which is great. The origin of Splinter and Shredder, and then the origin of the Turtles. And how it comes back, like, full circle at the end where the students fight the sensei's yeah. enemy and all. And, the, and they kill him, too. Like, Shredder fucking dies in the first issue. What year did that come out? 91? No, that was, like, 84, 85. Okay, so it was, like in, the, okay, like it was way back. Like, the original Turtle series. But then have, the you, turtle... have you read the first issue? Um, I think I have. I never collected the it comics. Would, it would stick with you, man, if you read it. Like, it's For me, so I'm, impressive. My comic stuff was uh, 84, starting with Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. My dad uh, took me 7-Eleven, picked up an issue, and then I collected him until 89, and then Batman. Okay. Yeah. But uh, the turtles, though, I found from TV. Okay. Well, but I, 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 I have like, actually. I wasn't yeah. like on board with the I, well, turtles. From what from I know, though, one. it was hard to find their book too, as well. It was right? that was another. So thing. it was like, and also too, correct me if I'm wrong. Though, was the format like a little larger? It wasn't. It's yeah. From, it, well, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I I enjoyed the hunt. Like, mm, I liked sorry. to like have to scour the city for like yeah. hard to find books. I liked that part of it. And that's another thing that kids will never understand. Oh, yeah. like, you can the, go the, online the and get like literally anything. But like, I had to get that one. Sorry about that. Oh, no problem. But I didn't know about the right comics now. until I saw the cartoon. And as soon as I saw the cartoon and knew that it had source material, I had to find the source material. So this is like 89 or 88 or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. I went back and I bought all those old books and they were like uh, the Pensock and Mart. I remember I got issue number two. The pen, Salk, and Mark. That sounds fun. Oh, the, it was, yeah, it was like this what was that awesome about? dirt mall enclosed flea market in Pensalkin. And it was like they had everything there, like everything. It was like such a That's fucking great. fun Saturday or Sunday as a kid in the 80s. <laughs> There's a little place uh, called Ah. It's just called Ah there in Narstown on Main Street. <laughs> it's like this little yard sale place. And uh, they have comics time to time, and I found some gems there. Once I found like Days of the Future Past, and like oh. almost near mint condition, they sold to me for a dollar. Whoa! You know, I'm sorry, guys, I'm blowing you up, but you know, if you collect comics, go there. This is what I just looked up, Mark. This is the book. Uh, I was on the hunt for the better part of maybe like three years trying to find The Incredible Hulk number three fifty. 
Oh, nice. So this is uh, Joe Fixit versus yeah. the thing. The thing's got some sort of mutated head, by the way. Oh, and Doctor Doom in the background organizing the whole thing like Larry King. <laughs> so I had this book as a kid, and then I lost it. And then, oh. like in my early thirties, I got back into the game after being out for a while. I was like, I gotta get that. I gotta get everything back. Collect everything. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, like your, you know, Ark of the Covenant? For comics, like which one would you want? Like stuff I own, or like stuff that I would. Oh, want. ones that, ones that you're like in search of. Well, I mean, the ones that I'm like, well, I mean, if I had like my you know choice of anything in the world, I mean, obviously some of the like classic Silver Age like stuff. But if I'm on the hunt now, like if I have money on me, what I try to do is I look for beater copies of like amazing Spider-Man. That's like one mm-hmm. I, cause I always feel like it's cool to have an old silver age book, even if it's in shit condition. Uh, so I look for those. Uh, yeah, that's always a good I, time. Mostly when I have money, when I go to a comic shop, what's your favorite shop? Uh, Oh God. I want to say, uh, JD's hero complex. Uh, on Main Street in Maniunk. Um, he was in I'm uh, one also going to say, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. JD is a friend of mine from way back, uh, late 90s. We worked at Comics and More across from the Roosevelt Mall mm. in the Northeast. Uh, that's how we met, and we're friends to this day. But uh, yes. Wait, Was that the same uh, chain as the one that became Uncanny? Yes. Oh, in wow. fact, so they he had made... A, they had the, a, a the store sign. there. Yeah, wow. he worked. He worked at. Oh, I know Comics he made the logo. I know JD. I was yeah. on his. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I was on. It was called Pop Tarts then. Oh yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. Was. So you know that whole story about him and the sign. I mean, maybe. No, I, was... I think you knew how he made the U. But I mean, you know, he, the guy that owned the shop. It's just another story for another day. But you know, yeah, it yeah. happens I sometimes heard. in the in, you know in business, <laughs> comics. You know, comics don't end right. You know, yeah. people are all upset right now with Game of Thrones. They're like, nah. We want you to rewrite the whole thing. I know. Yeah, well, they did that with The Last Jedi, and now they're doing it with Season 8. And it's like, I don't care if you got a billion signatures. Like, are you going to pay they're for it? They're never going to do it. They're <laughs> not, who, who in their right mind? Yeah. Like, what, do you want to get digital characters? Yeah. Do you want to get claymation? You know, like, no, what? that's, yeah. What's it's, going on there? I mean, I'm actually happy with where it's going. I like how it's like, she's just like, nope, burn it all down, dude. You posted that video with uh, Metallica. Oh, my God. So that was cool. great. So yeah, cool. that was good. So cool. That was good. Um, you know, I, I like that people are breaking, like, I guess, character arcs. It's not ending pretty, you know? Because sometimes that's the way the, the real world is. It is, know? yeah. Well, people are complaining about Jamie, like he had the redemption arc, but then it's like, yeah, but, like... It's still right for him to die with his sister because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it that was it. It was consistent with the characters and the story they've been telling. Like maybe you wanted him to end up with Brienne, but you know he's always stuck to Cersei. Like no matter what, to the bitter end. Very, yeah, right to the end. He just stuck with her. You know, I so. was, I was, you know, spoilers, obviously, uh, but. Yeah, she burned the whole village down. Some people are mad. <laughs> a lot but, of people are mad, yeah. Or maybe it's just a lot of, or I mean, just like a small number of like very loud people. Yeah. People Whatever. who were not happy with uh, dragons destroying fictional lands. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it looked good. 
And I like yeah. The Long Night. The Long, you know, I mean, like those episodes. Oh, yeah, me I mean, too. like uh, I, I watched it with the brightness. Like, I had sports up. mode on. Put sports mode on, and just yeah. you know, adjust your brightness contrast. Yeah, I actually I took the film and put it into Premiere and tried to uh, oh, compress cool. it out at a different bit rate. Oh, cool. And you know, I could post it, but they would take it down immediately. But you they can sure get it would. to look right. But it's just, it's just your TV because your TV is mm-hmm. these smart TVs are. They're messing up the game, according to uh, Tom Cruise and Doug Lemon or whatever his name is. They're like, nah, you're doing it all wrong. We are. We're messing up our eyes. Sometimes I look at my phone and then I look at the TV and I think I'm like blind for like maybe like 20 seconds. I need to adapt to it, you know? <laughs> but um, yeah, what did you think of um, the end game? Did you enjoy where these characters went? I... Yeah, mostly. I was on board. What's your major gripe? I was on board with everybody except Hulk. Okay, Professor Hulk, we can nail that down. I know Professor Hulk has a fan base, but I I don't know. And and people are like, oh, Hulk smash Hulk is too one-dimensional. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a team story. Like, if he's, like, just the only one, like, okay, if you want to complain that the focus is on a one-dimensional character, fine. Mm -hmm. But he's there for support and he's there to smash he definitely is there to smash so in infinity war he goes to the whole movie as banner he can't be the hulk and then and in the new movie he's always hulk but he doesn't want to be violent and so as a result he has like no badass like smash loki yeah i always wanted to see the hulk versus thanos like rematch you know right yeah like now that he's like got his mojo back yeah like get that rematch see the thing about the way that they portrayed it to but in the books he did become professor yeah no i understand that too and that's what that's people's argument like i was consistent with the comic books and i'm like maybe that should be the name of another podcast it's called in the books yeah 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 oh boy (laughs) that would be insufferable could start it. I'd like to do that, yeah. And just... In the books, look, yeah. I w- like uh, people who do that were like, look, you can't tell new stories from old stories. I, I, I don't, I don't mind at all new interpretations as long as you make it good, you know. Yeah. As yeah. long as it's not like you know blank, like uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I remember seeing I the didn't theater. Even watch it, yeah. I was, I just, I was just like, what is this shit? Yeah. No, I couldn't. You know, and that's just the worst part. I'm playing that game where the lighter game from Four Rooms. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. That's a I really know, good one. I haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, I enjoy everybody's uh, portrayal in that scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really, really well done. And I think Quentin wrote it. He wrote it. Yeah, yeah, one, he right? did that. I can't wait one. to see uh, Once Upon a Time oh in Hollywood. Oh, my God, yeah, so good. I'm looking forward to it. They released the poster of the fictional movie inside Once oh, Upon a Time. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. They dropped my last name in the trailer. They did say Cahill. Oh. He plays some character. I don't know the name, oh. but I got shook. A big Quentin fan. Me too. Like, I've never been disappointed by him. Like, I mean, he has some movies that are better than others, but, like, I never leave his movie being disappointed. Like, no. I, I'm a huge fan. In fact, if we go back to the beginning of the conversation, mm-hmm. Influences, huge one. Like, I used to read books about him like just as soon as i saw reservoir dogs i was like i gotta find out everything about this guy and like oh wow he worked at a video store and he's just like me and (laughs) yeah he's got it going on (laughs) yeah he wrote some great films he really did a good job true romance i mean he wrote that yeah like uh, the early mid 90s like period is like gravy and 
it influenced so much of like that decade and have you heard about the hateful eight miniseries they're gonna do yeah in fact, it's already is it out it's already on netflix yeah broken up like that i have not seen it yet uh, i wonder what if, what he did it exists it's already there to, to see <sighs> my friend mickey saw that the road show he, he came back with like they gave him like a calendar he used to have it here hung up on the wall but i think he took it down but um, yeah, Quentin stuff is just super smart because you could rewatch it over and over again and find like these new, crazy nuances that you've never seen before. The thing that I like the most, and you will probably appreciate because you're a director, is that all of his actors somewhat become Quentin in the way yeah. that they speak. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, especially in Pulp Fiction, all yes. the characters are Quentin in that film, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you know. But uh, I hope he doesn't stop at 10. You know, he's always said that, and I don't want that to happen. I know, but, like, how many, like, popular artists announce their retirement and, like, yeah, stick to true. it? They always have that farewell. Like, My, Motley Crue signed, like, we're going to sign a contract. Nobody's going to be able to get us back there on stage. Yeah, I mean, like, like Phil Collins has had, or Kiss, like, mm-hmm. they've they've had so many farewell tours. I, I hope it's the same kind of thing where it's just like, yeah, hey, Kiss, you know man, what? He, he's been... what else am I going to do? <laughs> He's supposed to make that Star Trek movie, huh? Yeah, I don't think I think he wrote the script. It's probably like two hundred thirty-four pages. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so your latest film? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about what's uh, well. I'm actually promoting now is uh, Daisy Durkins versus the Bloodthirsty Beast of Barren Pines. That's new to Amazon Prime. If you got Prime, it's free. If you don't, it's like a dollar ninety-nine to watch. But we filmed this thing back in 2011, which at that time, I guess, was like the third feature I filmed. And it's just now getting a release. Um, It was stuck in post-production for a very long time. But let's talk about the fun part of it first. Filming it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had, up until recently at that point, been writing theater stage shows i did the philly fringe festival for several years and i was writing and directing and producing theater and it finally got to a point with film where it became like more of an affordable option to tell stories Mm -hmm. uh when i started out like writing theater it was so expensive to have a camera. You were still using tapes and the editing software or hard, whatever. It was like really expensive. Like you couldn't do it. But now it, over time it got like, well, I think I could probably make a film cheaper than a promote or to produce a stage show now because then you have to rent a theater and whatever. It's like a lot of fees attached to it. I can make a movie, you know, with my friends like in the woods for like no money and that's what we did here where is baron pines in the film okay so it's in uh upstate pennsylvania a lot of people get confused with the title and they want to call it uh daisy durkins versus the beast of the pine barons yeah and that's happened a few times i'm like no this is (laughs) this is baron pines it's a pine barons lake area but i moved it to pennsylvania because I have sort of like an expanded cinematic universe. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so it, it plays into that. 
the Magnerverse. Yeah, so I have like an, a, a fictitious uh, upstate Pennsylvania town called Personburg, and uh, the Barren Pines is a nearby Personburg, but it's all part of this weird Twin Peaks sort of universe of like upstate Pennsylvania and the weird eccentrics who inhabit it. Did you go to Chiller Fest? I did not. I did go to Monster Mania, uh, the last mm-hmm. one they did, so that was fun. My my five year old daughter got to meet Christina Ricci, and the Soska sisters. Wow! And she has no scope or like you know mm-hmm. of the magnitude of that day. Wednesday. But like when I tell her, like you know, ten years from now, she'll think it was cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it was kind of like surreal, like to observe like Christina Ricci having a conversation with my five year old about Paw Patrol. But that's what happened. Like Christina mm-hmm. Ricci and my daughter are like sitting there, like talking about like Paw Patrol characters, and I'm just like, "Didn't you also meet the the girl from uh, the craft?" Uh, Balk. and it was the second time I've met her. Like I saw her at mm-hmm. the uh, ten years mm-hmm. previous Monster Mania. She uh, was going to be in The Sopranos. Yes. So I remember watching it, and she was in the episode, and then HBO went back, and they. Um, basically uh re-edited uh, the actress that played the other fbi agent in the later seasons back in or whatever but i always thought she would have been great in that role you know i gave her uh copies i gave her copies of my my first two films daisy durkin's dog sitter of the damned she'd be great for that fictional and world life horror from hell and i i was like I don't know, you know, you can watch these, you can do what you want with them, but I hope maybe some night you get bored and pop it in. That's all I'll say. So tell me about Half-Life Horror from Hell. Okay, yeah, so this had a cool story because my friend, uh, Robert Kolb, who is a Philadelphia police officer, he got into his possession a hazmat suit. Um, He was, they were doing some kind of training for some sort of emergency procedures, mm-hmm. at, you know, him being a cop. Mm-hmm. And he had this hazmat suit. And he's like, hey, Mark, I have this hazmat suit, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you could use it in a film. And the whole idea, like, grew from there. That's good. So it was like, we. I started thinking, uh, well, he helped sort of brainstorm it too, that Sorry. it would be this Scooby-Doo sort of thing where there's like some glowing guy in a radiation suit like terrorizing this small town and mm-hmm. the movie is built around the mystery of who is it yeah that's always a good time man scooby-doo i mean the hanna-barbera stuff was just so eye-popping to me as a kid you know yeah it just had like such great stories you know i made a film very similar to yours with my friend tj <laughs> about tj becoming a tea pyre <laughs> the Valley Green Woods, man, is is great times. You know, I I wish I could find that tape. You know. Oh, it was it, it was never shown. I had it on a mini DV tape, right? Oh, and then crap. mini DV, I thought was gonna be around for a long time, but then the medium changed again. You know? That screwed me up like for so long. Me like, too. We had, it's still I had screwing two me up. Features on mini DV tapes that I could not do anything with. For several years, we like shot on these little tapes, and it was like and you time couldn't to get edit. access because the machine's like twelve hundred yeah. bucks. I couldn't like mm-hmm. for like a long time. Same with my Super Eight tapes. Like I work somewhere now where I can do it, but um, like I couldn't do it for the longest time. And I even had uh, 
a gentleman over there in uh, Cold Point Valley in Lafayette Hill to do some duplication for me. And he got one of my tapes stuck in his machine. And somehow he got it out and returned it to me. But it paid, I had to pay like almost like 300 bucks, I think, for it. You know? Oh, wow. But the medium changing messed me up. And now with digital, it's just so much easier. Yeah, so with, with Half-Life, it turned out that, like, I, I finally got the footage, and mm-hmm. uh, I took a class at Temple, a uh, post-production class, so I had, like, access to these, like, tape decks. Oh, wow. So, like, that was one good thing that came out of me going to film school, is that I was finally able to, like, access my movies and start editing <laughs> them. Yeah. I but, like editing. It's fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Editing is so, a blast. So Half-Life Horror, uh, so my friend, he's about to get married, Mm -hmm. and he's like, before I get married, I want to just, you know, help you out, like, help you with your art, help you make your thing. So he funds the whole movie to the tune of $5,000, I believe. So whenever I need money for something, I just ask him, like, hey, we've run into this expense, like, we had to shoot in a motel. And we had to rent a motel room, so we just call him. He'd hook us up. Uh, and that's a funny story in itself, because <clears throat> if you're filming in a an actual motel... Wait, wait, is, you got Jimmy uh, Superfly? Yeah, Snooki? Jimmy Superfly Snook is in the movie. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to definitely watch that tonight. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a shape-shifting shaman. <coughs> so That's a perfect use of him. Yeah, yeah. So my, my friend, uh, who is a local professional wrestler... Uh, wrestling name Helter Skelter, but the guy's name is Rocky Shiraki. It rhymes. And he knows Jimmy Superfly Snooker because he wrestled him on the indie circuit. And he has his contact info, and he sets it up, and my buddy pays for it. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly Jimmy Superfly Snooker is in the movie. I had written these, like, like I since I started in theater, a lot of my dialogue is kind of... I write, like, soliloquies. I mean, like, I'll give somebody, like, a page-long monologue, which is a funny thing to do when you're working with, like, mostly non-professional actors. Like, let's give them, like, really hard stuff to do. And I use, like, big words, like, megalomaniacal and stuff, and people are always tripping over it, like, Mark, (laughs) nobody talks like this. But... (laughs) <laughs> that's good yeah you, you should be different you gotta have a voice right yeah that's what in I'm the like, Mackner universe just, just do something a little, a little or the Mackniverse. do you call it that uh what do you uh, call your universe bob kaplan my other co-producing buddy he has coined it the Mackniverse. uh before i just called it the daisy durkin's verse because she's like yeah that's a good point thread. i like that that the story continues yeah yeah so it's like evil brew is not a daisy durkin's movie yeah but she's in it <laughs> I did. I saw the cover today. I was checking it out. You everybody can watch everybody at home. I if, watched the trailer. If you have a Roku stick, you can add the channel Indie Horror Online, which is run by. Um, it'll come to me in a second. We used to have an assistant, but I fired him. Oh, <laughs> to, oh to research things. He was stealing the Wi-Fi. Oh no. Yeah, but uh, nah, Indie Horror know. Online is a Roku channel, and if you add that, you can watch Evil Brew, oh, which was cool. a movie that we started shooting in 2009. Wow. And it started as a short. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was going to be like 20 minutes or something, 
And then over time, I added scenes, and then it became an hour. So now you can watch the hour-long, like, entire version of Evil Brew on oh, Indie cool. Horror Online. And it had no budget, like, none. In fact, it probably, like, we probably, like, lost money on the movie by, like, people having to yeah. pay to park <laughs> to be in the movie. Yeah, um, but it's, it's fun doing it that way, though, yeah. Mark. Yeah, Up, yeah. Upstairs right here in the, the bedroom. We have uh, green screens. Oh, cool. And cool, we, cool. we do like music videos up there and, you know, no budget. Cool. Might be losing money on the gas to get here, but something about filming uh, and doing it yourself, you know, in the yeah. spirit of, I always, I go back to my Blair Witch experience. It uh, was not influenced by the internet. I didn't know if it was real or not. I just went with friends to the Ritz downtown and saw yeah, it with like an audience Yeah, my experience early. with that was like that too. Like I hadn't really heard of the movie mm -hmm. and just like that day like it was like long enough ago that like like my life could be spontaneous i would just run into somebody and he's like hey i got a free ticket to this movie let's go mm -hmm. and i'd be like sure and that's what happened with blair witch i just ran into this dude at school it's community college like hey man like i got a free ticket for blair witch project i'm like what's that i don't know let's go and yeah, so I'm like, like watching it. I'm like, holy crap! Like, what's? I, <laughs> I remember thinking it's got to be, you know, made. But I was still intrigued with the fact that it could yeah. be real, you know, because you never saw the, you know, the monster, the witch, right, 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 until its uh, reboot, which came out a few years ago. I saw, I saw that movie by myself in a movie theater like, oh, on a Tuesday night. Yeah, that's another it update so, I didn't see. Ah, they show her. Oh, they which do. they shouldn't. Yeah, uh -huh. you can't show, you know, no. the boogeyman, you know. You can't do the reveal, but I mean, uh, yeah. So I enjoy any type of film that takes place in the woods, especially okay. Yeah, you so know, that's, the Beast of the Barren Pines. Yeah, so the Bloodthirsty Beast of Barren Pines. We there's a, a dinosaur in the movie. That's yeah. you know that's the beast. Spoiler alert. But no, that's I mean it's a selling point. We got a freaking dinosaur in the movie. So uh, originally it had been written ago like so long ago that I didn't know we were going to be able to do digital effects. So we had an actual lizard, like a live lizard who was my pot dealer's pet monitor lizard. And there's a cut of the movie where that's the beast. Like they cut away to it and it's like the old, you know, like black and white, like lost world movies mm -hmm. where we're using like iguanas and shit to be mm -hmm. dinosaurs or the journey to the center of the earth, like those really old kind of movies. So uh, we did that. So I had this lizard crawling towards the camera, and we had like matchbox cars to for scale, you know, <laughs> like the giant mm -hmm. Gila monster. But the and I was convinced that that was going to be the way to go. But the CGI dinosaur like made me laugh. Like, I really laughed. Like, even now I watch it, I get, like, belly laughs when it gets hit with the smoke bomb and drops, like, a ton of bricks. Like, that's so funny. <laughs> that was the shot that made me decide to go CGI. I'm like, <laughs> because we couldn't get the lizard to act, right? Yeah, like, how do you get a lizard to act? We, you don't. So there's there were shots of, like, actors, like, shooting at it with guns. And the lizard is just totally no-selling it. <laughs> yeah that's that always makes for good you know for the, good silly goose time so the animated dinosaur actually reacts to being attacked so that was that was that was important who does your uh your special effects so shannon hall uh he did the cgi dinosaur 
Mm-hmm. And but for the new film or the one we're shooting now, the sequel, uh, Daisy Durkins and the Dinosaur Apocalypse, we're using stop motion dinosaurs for that, which brings us back to Kong. That I've wanted to make a yeah. stop motion dinosaur movie like my whole life. Like my whole life. So like this is a bucket list sort of thing. So uh, this uh, gentleman I met through Facebook. I, I belong to a stop motion Facebook group. Uh, I think it's called Stop Motion Monsterland, maybe. And people post their own original videos like, hey, I did a few seconds of stop motion. Check it out. And so he had posted this video of a pteranodons, you know, flying with like a volcano going off in the background. I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. <coughs> yeah, and I'm cool. like, hey, I'm making this stop motion dinosaur movie. I need somebody to do the stop motion effects. And he's like, I'll do it. So he's in Austria. His name is Herbert Fabitz. And he wow, is he's in Austria. You've been in Austria. There? So awesome. we just m- meet through Facebook and. He starts uh, making the the dinosaur models. So and I saw some of the stuff on YouTube. Uh, on yeah, yeah, yeah. That like he's made well like done. five species so far. So now we're doing like, uh, and it's not just one species of dinosaur. We have like several species. <laughs> there's the raptor, but there's also the megalosaurus. We got a stegosaurus. We got a brontosaurus. It's like. You know, it's there's going to be citywide destruction and mm-hmm. uh, uh, a raptor rips a girl's dress off, stuff like that. <laughs> it's a silly. It's a films like that. You know, it, it provides a good audience. You're, like I saw, like uh, Jersey Man has really got it going on as far as like this whole like group of people who enjoy, you know, horror. Yeah, it's like, a tight knit community. I worked on the film that you were in. You acted so well in uh, Revenge, Revenge of the of Devil, the Devil Bat. Bat. And that's to uh, Ted Mayring, who's another local filmmaker. Yeah, who, who uh, possesses the same, you know, like yeah. love for films. So we got introduced by a mutual friend who, you know, <laughs> became problematic later. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ted is a super cool guy. And um, he writes and he gives me, like, small parts to play in his movies but it's so much fun so i got to act with rochelle davis from the crow in that movie like yeah I, that's cool i play her husband and that was like wow i mean this is like a real star of like a real movie like not just somebody that yeah your you know, reaction was real when you smelled yeah that yeah yeah devil so bat I'm like, cologne. I'm like so we're we're I married wish that, uh, that's nuts there's like if we if you could like do like uh like viral commercials of John like like spraying the perfume on himself and like super like you know <laughs> John Link yeah John Link if you want to look him up ladies and gentlemen yeah John um, Link I, he is like a New Jersey horror icon and uh, he is the the lead in this film I'm talking about that we'll see the light of day somewhere someplace yeah, is there a, is there a, any plan for that yet? it's coming a, it's a coming date? soon you know sometimes a creative Street you date. know collaboration it requires time you can't rush right into something mm. something's gonna pop I can tell because the film's great I, I enjoyed uh, checking John it really, I never knew of John Lincoln to this film and uh Oh. Man, I worked on the film for like maybe like a week and did some music and uh, his performance is so, <laughs> he sometimes his face c- captures the frame so well. Yeah. He's just like so <laughs> menacing, you know? Yeah, it's a, he's, he, his is a singular presence. So he plays, it's actually a direct sequel to 
Bella the Lugosi. old Bela Lugosi movie, the, the Devil Bat, and this is the Revenge mm-hmm. of the Devil Bat, and like the John Link character is related to the Lugosi character from the original movie. So there's like yeah. an actual like, you know, he makes a link to yeah. it. It's really cool how that all comes about, and they also like incorporate some footage. It's real okay. nostalgic, and it makes you feel like you're like part of like the history. Yeah, like I haven't seen you know? it myself yet, so I don't even know what it looks like. But I know that it has like several actors that I've also employed, mm. like Daisy Durkins versus the Bloodthirsty Beast of Baron Pines, which will be heretofore known referred to as uh, Daisy Two for brevity. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. That happens here <laughs> on the Bobcast sometimes. But, um, yeah, I see where you're going with it. Definitely. Yeah. Daisy but, uh, Durkins. Yeah, yeah. Would you come up with the name Daisy Durkins? Is it like a Bruce Banner, Peter Parker kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, you know Matt I mean? Murdock, uh, Clark Kent, uh, Reed Richards. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I hope to get the Fantastic Four right. I, I hope know, that they're right? like in the 60s. I hope it's like that. Oh, I really want to so see cool. that. Yeah, that'd be so cool to do you it. You know, and yeah. make it look cool, you know, like the cartoon, flashy mm-hmm. colors, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess it's going to be a way off before we see any of that, you know. So, um, but, uh, but, uh, to, uh, where is the film right now with the dinosaur apocalypse? That, okay, so that's uh, we we're still f- filming it. Believe it mm-hmm. or not, we've been filming the motion it for, capture, right? Yeah, so we've been filming it for a while. Uh, we started uh, in July of 2017. Was the first scene that we shot. Oh wow! So it's been in yeah. Every we can only film mostly on weekends. Yeah, you're a hardworking guy. Yeah, you got and family it's a, support. It's I understand. a huge cat. Like I, mm-hmm. I make the mistake of like writing too many characters into a script. So like, if you're like a no budget filmmaker, like one great piece of advice I can give you is that like try to not have a huge cast. Like if you only have like three major characters, it makes scheduling shoots a, a lot easier. So, like, I'll have a scene where I need, like, you know, eight people or something, some stupid. <laughs> I'm like, here's a huge, like, br- you know, barroom brawl, and I need, like, all these people to be in it. And it's and so hard to get everyone there at once. I like JD's character and uh, the one Daisy Durkins. Yeah, so uh, Daisy Durkins 2, now on Prime. Uh, JD plays Vex Stupendous. That's his name, Vex Stupendous? Yeah, his name is Vex Stupendous. And he plays as a singer in a punk band. He's the bizarro of JD. Yeah, oh, uh, Catatonic Fuck Puppet is the name of the band. <laughs> and they're touring uh, western or upstate Pennsylvania, and <clears throat> their car breaks down. And you know what happens to mm-hmm. young people when their car breaks down <laughs> in the woods. Did you see that movie came out a couple uh, years ago? I think it was called The Monster. No. Uh, I have to send you a, a screenshot of it. I think that's what it's called. It's about uh, a mom and her kid going through the woods, and they get stopped. Huh. You would dig it. You would definitely dig it. I'll send it to you. Okay. See, this is where the system we, we would come in and be good, you know? I know, right? Let me check out this DVD cover right here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, my... So Daisy Durkin's Dog Sitter of the Damned. Right. So, that starts as a short film, a 10-minute short film in 2008. Mm-hmm. which was actually the first film I ever made, which mm-hmm. uh, I had a... I was looking to do another theater show to return to the stage, and a friend showed me this uh, newspaper article about uh, 
Project 21, which was a local film festival, which had a gimmick. You know, you had uh, 21 days to make a movie from writing the script to shooting it to editing it. Mm-hmm. And you were given a theme, you know, and like a secret element that you had to incorporate into the movie. So I write Daisy Durkin's Dog Sitter of the Damned, the short film mm-hmm. for the Project 21 Film Fest in 2008. And that came from a conversation I had with my cousin's wife, Janine, because I was rather, uh, I was not doing well financially at the time. Well, I never am. But she suggested being a dog sitter. And when it came time to write a movie, I was thinking, like, what if I had a movie about the dog sitter? Like, we never hear the dog sitter story. <laughs> no, nobody knows that. That's good. So, so the dog sitter ends up in this, like, supernatural horror situation. And that's where it starts off, where she's, like, the girl next door. She's, like, every girl. I mean, she's hot. Mm-hmm. Def- don't get me wrong she's hot Susanna Darcy but, you know she's hot but <laughs> hello but yeah she plays Daisy in the first movie as like the girl next door but then in Daisy 2 uh, where Daisy is played by Mary Sack who is like the most fantastic actress that you can work with in the area she's terrific uh, she plays Daisy as like this supreme badass like the prison yard bully like she just struts oh, wow. in and I had never thought that the character would be that way but Susanna couldn't do the sequel so uh, I had to recast our lead and Mm -hmm. I had auditions and Mary's audition was like the best audition I had ever seen in my life like and I had been directing theater and stuff for a long time like I was so blown away I was like guys like we're we're like witnessing the birth of like a major new talent. Yeah. I was so impressed. So I'm like, I never saw it. Daisy is like this badass character and so she like just like walked in and nailed it and it's like sultry and you know, it's just like crackles. This but yeah. So she gets in the movie and man, I, I just hope it finds an audience. It's it's fun, it's zippy. It moves along like there's no scenes that are unnecessary. I, I some, sometimes I have a tendency to like get a little verbose and like you know people go on diatribes. I just try to keep it simple in this one. Keep the story moving. Have mm-hmm. some fun, quirky characters. Find ways for them to kill each other. Throw a CGI dinosaur in the background. Yeah. And so we have Lloyd Kaufman, who was uh, a. Uh, Ted Mayring again the director of Revenge of the Devil Bat mm-hmm. he had worked with uh, Lloyd Kaufman on his first movie Bloodbath in the House of Knives and he told he tells me like hey Mark like you're writing a script like I could get Lloyd Kaufman in the movie and I'm like oh yeah that'd be great so Lloyd shows up to to shoot the movie and Lloyd's like in my house like Lloyd Kaufman is like sitting on my couch like you know waiting to shoot dialogue i wrote for him and i'm like this is mind-blowing because again an inspiration and you know so and the cool thing about him is if you haven't worked with him is like you know i know he's worked with like big league directors and you know some real hollywood legends and i'm like you know he's gonna come in and see me and my situation and Mm -hmm. like uh like, but he doesn't ever talk down to you. He doesn't big league you. Like, he treats you with respect. Like, he wants to make the movie you want to make. He doesn't try to, like, take over, like, eh, I'm just going to do it like this. I mean, he lets 
you direct the scene and he's i mean he improvises a lot he ad-libs a lot but a lot of those were good and i kept them yeah that's good i mean you you want to collect everything you know it went to one you know conducive body of work you definitely have created that from all the accolades i see in front of me here tonight you know? Yeah, I mean, I've been really fortunate, you know, like I'll get a, a guest star we have, you know, we have that I might just have to film with for a day, but I try to make the most of that day. And those are always like magical days of filming. So we had Superfly Snooker for a day. Yeah, and we that's just spent awesome. the day driving around with the dude and, mm-hmm. you know, just shooting the shit. That's really cool. Like, I mean, who would be your uh, your favorite guest to come in one of your movies who would you want the cameo uh I, I mean it has to be lloyd just because of like just the amount of energy he he put into it and he put mm-hmm. like a lot of effort into it he didn't just like sleepwalk through it or phone it in like he really came to play mm-hmm. which isn't to knock superfly snooker or nikolai volkov mm-hmm. <laughs> who are very you know legends in their own right but i mean if we're gonna pick one mm-hmm that's that's pretty it's pretty impressive um i'm looking forward to seeing uh the next film you know are, oh you, God, are you planning yeah. ahead what's what's next in the future for you so we uh as this motorcycle speeds <laughs> so well as we're wrapping up um dinosaur apocalypse which has a a brand new daisy played mm-hmm. by local actress heather cahill who's got the same name as me Yes, the same name as mm-hmm. you. So I I uh, I know I'm name dropping a lot in this episode, but I I like that's to, what you got to do, man. You can I name like drop all you want. Promote my friends and the work they're doing. Like we only get ahead if we lift each other up. That's but anyways, correct, man. She's you, you gotta uh, lift she, each other up. She's she's an adult film star, but she also does uh, competitive eating. Wow. So I have the adult film star competitive eater in the movie as the star and then we have Nikolai Volkov and then like a whole host of excellent local talent Jay Green who has a horror punk band Voodoo Mm -hmm. Death Cult he's in the movie as his rock star persona Atari Skull Devil that's a great name isn't it that'd be a good band name yeah well he's that's his uh, (laughs) Atari Skull Devil it's great (laughs) I like to see that on a shirt yeah, now he's got it's a Voodoo Death Cult is the uh, is the band, and look for him online. So um, I'm really uh, but beyond that, uh, as you asked, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, in the very near future, um, um, in the very early stages of developing a, a like a ten minute web series, mm-hmm. uh, where I could just kind of like shoot it in my house, like when my kids are asleep at night. It's mm-hmm. like something really low key, but like where I play all my film characters and, you know, it's just like a nutty professor kind of thing mm-hmm. where it's like I'm in a bunch of different roles. I mean, not to be like super narcissistic or whatever, but just like something I could do like that's simple, that's stress free, mm-hmm. that it doesn't involve a hundred people to schedule around, you know, just something real simple I could do just to bridge myself in between features and I imagine next the next feature will be another Daisy Dirk. <laughs> but I I think you should keep it going. Yeah, I, I th- yeah. You should I, make I, as many as you can. Yeah, so that's that's and actually, build the character up. That's actually the plan. Like, you know, 
because when you have like a thing, like a regular thing, like people that you're know always pushing, you, yeah. like exactly. that name keeps coming up more and more, and it's like if you keep Daisy hammering at them, kicks ass. right? Daisy Durkis, Daisy, Durkis. and we got the song. Yeah. Like the song is catchy. catchy song. I, I, the song definitely it hooks you right in. Oh, and I found the the, the who does that? Uh, his name's Cedric Crouch, and he he's involved in some local punk bands, the Noid and uh, the Piss Shivers. Oh wow! And he does most of or he has done most of the music for the films I've done so far and he also acts in small roles is he in uh, the devil bat he is he plays the lead character yeah, yeah, in Revenge okay. of the Devil Bat and I he think also, I'm friends with him on Facebook yeah I enjoyed and, his performance and he also plays, good job buddy he also plays Daisy Durkin's dad in uh, Dinosaur Apocalypse and yeah I saw that yeah I wasn't sure about asking him he's a cool character in the universe if, if, if he felt like cool enough if, I mean if if he was okay with like playing you know like this grown woman's father like are you okay like I don't want to say you're old yeah <laughs> but you know it was a part I knew he could do that's great uh, yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, that's the plan for moving forward, I guess. And oh, and also on Netflix, um, I'm in the movie Death House mm-hmm. by uh, B. Harrison Smith. And Death House is the one where it's it's Kane Hodder, it's Bill Mosley, it's Sid Haig, it's you know Michael Berryman, it's you know all these like fun B horror movie names. Mm-hmm. And so I have a scene in the movie with with Kane Hodder. And I mean, it's not like a scene so much as it is like a shot, <laughs> but you know, he's talking to me. Like, it's not like I'm just in the background, like mm-hmm. he's making eye contact and he, he's like, are you sure you can do this? Like he's giving me a mission and I'm like, holy crap, man. And so like, we're shooting this scene and, uh, you know, I asked the director, like, do you mind if I, if I nod my head, like when he mm-hmm. tells me to, to do this mission and he's like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Do mm-hmm. it. It's like I nod and they're they're filming and I'm like, that's my input like in this character. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then later on, I see the finished movie and they cut out my nod and I'm like, oh, man, like my my one creative contribution. But um, I'm I'm just kind of joking in case Harrison Smith ever listens to this. Like I I respect his. his We don't pass no judgment here. Harrison Smith. But that's but that's but that's on Netflix now. And there's like a whole like sequence where I'm like creeping in this, you know, dark hallway in this prison and I've got this weird gray mask on. And it's like, yeah, I've got a mask on and I'm not talking, but I promise you that's me. (laughs) (laughs) I have pictures to prove it. I think I saw some of the footage on YouTube. Yeah, definitely yeah. check them out, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Google them up. Mark Magner, Daisy Durkins, The Dinosaur Apoc- Apocalypse, yeah, Evil yeah. Brew, Davey, Daisy Daisy Durkins versus Bloodthirsty Beast, The Parent Binds. Yeah, Daisy Durkins, Dog Sitter of the Damned, and Half-Life Horror from Hell are available on DVD uh, through Amazon and the website for the distributor Worldwide Multimedia. And Evil Brew, you can see on Indie Horror Online on the Roku stick. And Amazon Prime has Daisy Durkins versus the Bloodthirsty Beast of Barren Pines right now. And Death House is on Netflix. And they're all fun. And I put a lot of work into them. And all I want to do is entertain you. So let me entertain you. Just let me. And it's all I want to do. 
Yeah. I just want to bring stop motion dinosaurs and scantily clad women into your life. <laughs> that's what he wants to do, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that, that's like if if I I mean I want to be cremated, but if I had a headstone, I would want it to say like he brought stop motion dinosaurs. It should, it should and say Daisy kicks ass. Clad women. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy with that too. You know. I really appreciate you coming down to the lounge tonight. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Like, I really enjoyed this. I would absolutely like to come back when maybe the next. We, we do. Film we have guest all star sessions. You know, cool, sometimes cool. we have a round table here. Yeah. People yeah. talk, but definitely uh, look them up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's been a, another episode of Bobcast. Tune in next week. We got um, Tom Bear coming back doing some comedy with me. Uh, Mark, once again, thanks. Peace. Thank you, man. Thank you.